Whether you'll be spending time with the Adams Family or the Partridge Family this week, we all have moments when family is difficult to get along with. And the Bible gives us much advice as to how we can strengthen our relationships, how we can maintain these relationships for a long, long time. Welcome to Anchor Points. And before you sit down to eat that big turkey meal with your family this week, listen to the three pieces of advice Robert Quintana shares that not only will help you get through the holidays another year, but ultimately can help you learn to truly love those you will be spending time with for years to come. Anchor Points is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find some of the answers to life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Robert Quintana with his message, Crazy Uncle Harry, How to Get Along with Family. Indeed, I'm reminded again that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I, I just love it. When families get together and the, all the best food is put out on the table and we just, we gorge ourselves, you know, we, we, we say to ourselves, oh, this is the one time of the year, right? The one time of the year that I can overeat and just stuff myself and it's great. I love it. Uh, my sister called me two weeks ago and she said, are you coming home for Thanksgiving? I said, no, unfortunately, I won't be able to be there. She says, oh, come on, you have to come. Everyone's going to be here. And I said, everyone's, yeah, yeah, your brothers, your sisters, cousins. I said, is Enrique going to be there? I said, yeah, of course Enrique's going to be there. And I said, uh-oh, you know what that means. And she says, I know what that means. Now, Enrique is the loudest, most obnoxious, craziest Cuban cousin that I have. And I am not exaggerating, but if Enrique is there, you know that there's going to be no sleep until three o'clock in the morning. Everything's a joke. Everything is the top of the lungs. I mean, it is a hoot. It is so much fun. And I am not exaggerating, Heather. Am I exaggerating? Heather can testify because she has met him. She's been there. He is crazy. And I, you know, she said, everyone's going to be here. He's coming up from Miami. And I said, unfortunately, I can't be there. But fortunately, I have family coming in from out of town. And I just, I love this time of year. It's just great. The Thanksgiving, the food, the family. And you know, family's important to us. When we sit around the Thanksgiving table and we go and we say, what are the things that you're thankful for? You know, a lot of times, well, I'm thankful for work or I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for, for God. Um, but almost always you will hear someone or everyone around that table say, I am thankful for family. I'm thankful for my parents, for my kids, for my brother, for my sister. And family means a lot to us. Family is something that's very special to us. And family was something that we didn't think of. We didn't come up with the whole family idea. This was something that God came up with, oh, 6,000 years ago at the Garden of Eden. He created Adam, and then he thought to himself, man should not be alone. In fact, I think I can create something better. So he created Eve, and then he realized that he couldn't. No, 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 just joking, joking, it's a joke. But he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Go make families. 
And so here we are, 6,000 years removed from, from that day when God instituted the family. And today, family is very important to us. And it's interesting because in family, you experience the gamut of emotions, don't you? The whole spectrum of emotions. You can experience the joy, the happiness, the satisfaction. And sometimes family just, you want to tear your hair out, right? Sometimes they just get on your nerves. In-laws excluded, But you experience the whole gamut of emotions and family means so much to us. And if we're single, if you're someone who's single here today and you long for that family, you just, you put your trust in God and God will make that happen. And for those of you that are here that are with family, perhaps family is visiting or you're going to be going in a few weeks to visit family, just take advantage of the time that you have with family But because family is so important to us and because families get so close to us and because sometimes the vulnerability level with families is so great that oftentimes it's easier to get hurt when it comes from a family member than it comes from a stranger or from an acquaintance or from a coworker. And that's why today I want to talk to you about how can we improve our family relationships. How can we strengthen our family relationships and how can we maintain, sustain those relationships for a long, long time? And, and the Bible gives us many um, clues, it gives us much advice as to how we can strengthen our relationships in our family, gives us a lot of advice of how we can maintain these relationships for a long, long time. Now, you will discover that as we go through these, these different advices that I'm going to point out to you in just a second, you're going to discover that you can apply this advice to other areas in life. You can apply this same advice to, to your, your, your work situation, your work family, so to speak. But I want you to think about how can I apply this to my immediate family, my extended family. I want you to start there. I want you to start thinking about how can I apply the advice that we're reading about here today and relate that advice to my folks, my parents, or my wife, or my husband? How can I apply it to my children? So we're going to look at some advice that the Bible gives us as to how we can strengthen our relationships, maintain them for a long, long time. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is filled with family advice. Genesis chapter 25. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Genesis chapter 25, starting with verse 22. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now stop there for one second. Let's back up a little bit and let me kind of give you a little bit of background as to what's going on here. Everyone's heard the name of Abraham. We all know Abraham, the great biblical character. We know Abraham, a lot of wonderful stories about Abraham. Well, God had promised Abraham a son, the promised one, the promised son, that through him was going to come the salvation of the world. And so he promised to him a son and that son was delaying and they were upset. They didn't understand why it hadn't happened yet. And then finally, Isaac was born, the promised son. And you remember the story about how God asked Abraham to take Isaac to the top of the mountain and to sacrifice him. And, and Abraham, being as faithful as he was, he was going to go through with what God had asked him to do. And then at the last minute, God stepped in and said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. And he provided a lamb 
signifying that it was going to be through Jesus Christ that the sins of the world were going to be cleansed. And so Isaac eventually grew up. He became a man. He got married. And now he has a wife. And his wife is pregnant with twins. And this is where we're at now. His wife is pregnant with twins. Read it again, verse 22. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Now do you know what the name Esau means? The name Esau means hairy. Yeah, that's right. The name Esau means hairy. So here they have a hairy child, and when they see this hairy child coming out, say, man, he has a lot of hair. What should we name him? We'll name him Harry. Why? Because he has a lot of hair. I don't think they spent too much time back then going through the books, you know, trying to figure out what name to call them. I think they just named them the first thing that came to mind. And so here we read in verse 26, afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's he- heel. So his name was called Jacob. Now guess, what does the name Jacob mean? It literally means one who takes hold of a heel. That's what the name Jacob means. I'm telling you, they did not spend too much time trying to figure out their names. But here it says at the last part of verse 26 that Isaac was 60 years old when he bore them, when she bore them, I'm sorry. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. I want you to start imagining with me the dynamics here. It says here in verse 28, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So I want you to start imagining with me the dynamic that's going on here. Here you have Esau on the one hand, the hunter, the man's man, the outdoorsman, right? Here you have the the, the big, rugged, hairy man who loved going out into the woods and and hunting stuff and and bringing it back and and making food out of it. And and he would prepare, as the Bible says, savory, tasty food for for, uh, Isaac. And so you know what that saying is, a, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach and so Esau preparing this savory food and this tasty game that he would bring back he would serve Isaac with it and, and Isaac just loved Esau and then on the other hand you have Jacob a mild gentle unassuming quiet gentleman the Bible says that he made his dwelling in the tent in other words he stayed home with Rebecca quite a bit He stayed home maybe cleaning, doing the dishes, vacuuming. And as a result, Rebecca adored Jacob. And so now imagine with me the dynamic of these two brothers living in the same household. I just love the Bible. I love the scriptures because the scriptures God chose to tell us about real people in real situations, situations that we can relate to. 
But here you have these two brothers that from an early age, there was differences. And because of those differences, they were competing with one another. The Bible says that while they were in the womb, they were struggling with one another. And this now brings us to advice number one. If you want to strengthen your relationships, if you want to make those relationships, maintain those relationships for a long, long time, advice number one, avoid competition. Competition will ruin a relationship. Competition will get in the way and destroy relationships. So avoid competition. Now, if you're wondering, do I have a competitive heart or is there a competitive spirit in my relationships? I need you to answer these two questions. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, fun competition that would take place around, you know, the, the game table if you're playing Unos or Monopoly. I'm not talking about friendly competition on, on the basketball court. That's not the kind of competition I'm talking about. The comp- kind of competition I'm talking about is, answer these questions, are you living above your means in order to impress someone else? That's the kind of destructive competition that I'm talking about. The kind of competition that says I, I need to buy something I don't need with money I don't have to impress people that I don't like. That's the kind of competition that I'm talking about. Are you living above your means to keep up with the Joneses? That's the kind of destructive competition that I'm talking about. The second thing that you can ask yourself to see if you have this competitive spirit within your household is, am I genuinely happy for my sister or my brother or my husband or my wife when God blesses them in a way that he has not blessed me? Am I genuinely happy for them or do I feel any resentment or any anger towards them. If you've answered yes to any of these two questions, you may have a competitive spirit within your household. And advice number one, if you want to strengthen your relationships, is to avoid competition. Oftentimes, when we don't understand what our purpose is or what our goal is, it's easy for us to start comparing ourselves with, with each other. And it's easy to say, why do they have or why, do, why has this happened to them? Why hasn't it happened to me? Because you've lost sight of the purpose that God has for your life. And so that's why it's important for us to discover day by day, what is it that God wants me to do? Well, let's continue reading because there is so much advice here. We're only going to cover two more. But I want you to turn to Genesis uh, 27. Genesis 27, we'll start reading with verse 1. It says this, Genesis chapter 27, now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. Now, you have to take an account, or when I was reading this, his eyesight must have been really, really bad. He must have been really, really old. Maybe his hearing was off a little bit, but his eyesight must have been almost gone, if not gone at all, because as we'll read here, he was deceived, and he was deceived majorly. Verse 2, then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please Take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food, tasty food. 
It says, such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat and my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me, but I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. According to what I command you, go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, I am a smooth-skinned man. And so here they're devising how they're going to deceive Isaac into believing that Jacob is Esau. And if you continue reading the story, and I encourage you to do so later when you have some time, they took the hide of the goats that they killed and they placed it on Jacob. And so when he went in before Isaac, and Isaac said, wait a second, You sound like Jacob to me. He said, no, no, I'm Esau. And so he calls him forward and he says, look, touch. And so when he touches the hide of the ghost, he said, oh, you are hairy. You are Esau. And I just thought to myself, Esau must have been one hairy dude. (laughs) But here we see deception. Here we see lying. Advice number two. If you want to strengthen your relationships, if you want to maintain those relationships for a long, long time, advice number two, avoid deception. Avoid deception. In other words, always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Between husband and wife, between father and son, between mother and daughter, between cousins, between uncles, it is always the best thing to always tell the truth. Avoid deception. Always tell the truth. You know, I'll refer to two passages in scripture. The first, Christ said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We also read in the Bible that says the truth will what? The truth will set you free. It is so important that in our relationships we are truthful, that we don't carry deceit in our mouth, but that in all things we speak truth. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. I'd like to read to you some of Solomon's advice to us. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17 says this, he who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lips shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No grave trouble or harm will overcome the righteous but the wicked shall be filled with evil. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. It is so important that we speak truth. You see, because a relationship 
has a foundation of love. And that love is guarded by trust. And when you lie to your spouse or when you lie to your children, that trust begins to erode away. And once that trust begins to erode away, eventually that relationship will be severed and that relationship will be destroyed. Advice number two, it is so important that we avoid deceitfulness, that we always speak the truth. And there is one little thing that I need to add to that. There's one stipulation to that that I need to add. It is important that we speak the truth in love. It is so important that we speak the truth in love because all too often we say to ourselves, well, somebody's got to tell her how it is. (laughs) It is so important that we speak the truth in love. And if we can't say it from from a loving heart, then it's probably best that we just keep quiet. But if you want to strengthen your relationships, if you want to sustain them, maintain them for a long, long time, it is so important that we always tell the truth, that we always deal with the truth. It's so important that you establish that foundation of love that's guarded by trust and protected by truth. It is so important that we always, always speak the truth. And so advice number one, avoid competition. Advice number two, we need to avoid deceitfulness. And advice number three is one of my favorites. Turn to Genesis chapter 33. We're skipping through a few chapters as you can tell. Many years have gone by now. What happened was that after Esau found out that Jacob had stolen the blessing from Isaac, Esau was so mad, he was so upset that he said, I am going to kill Jacob, when I see him, Rebecca loving Jacob warned him and said, you need to go. You need to flee. You need to go to a far, far land and see what happens when there's competition. What happens when there is deceitfulness? Relationships are severed. Relationships are destroyed. And Jacob ends up having to leave to a far place. And he's away for many, many years. And so now we're picking up the story in chapter 33. He's been away, Jacob has, for a long, long time. It says in verse one, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. Uh Uh-oh. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Verse three, then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau, this is beautiful. But Esau ran to him and embraced him and he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the Bible says that they wept together. There was reconciliation. If you want your relationships strengthened, if you want your relationships to thrive and sustain them for a long, long time, advice number three, Avoid holding grudges. There are times when we just have to move on with life. There are times when we need to say, you know what, you wronged me. You wronged me dearly and I have every right to be mad at you. But there is also a time for forgiveness and there is a time to let go. 
And there is a time to say, I am moving on and I am forgiving you. I am putting you in the hands of God. Now, I'm not saying that you don't hold people accountable. I'm not saying that you enable someone because there is a fine balance there that we need to walk. There is a fine balance. You may have had a brother who borrowed some money a long, long time ago and and never repaid you and, and, and you're upset. For years, you've been upset about that money that he's never repaid you. You know what? It's time to let it go. It's time to move on. It's time to say, you know what? I'm not gonna let my resentfulness, I'm not gonna allow my grudges to come in between our relationship anymore. But that doesn't mean that you don't learn from your experiences. That doesn't mean that you don't put up some boundaries. That doesn't mean that you don't put up some parameters in order to protect yourself and not enable him to continue in that type of behavior. And so if he comes to you again and says, hey, can I have some money? Well, you may need to put up some parameters. You need to put up some guidelines, but there is gonna be some accountability from here on out. And so here's the call for us today. If you long to have strong relationships, if you long to sustain and maintain those relationships for a long, long time, if you treasure the relationship with your spouse and you don't want to see that come to an end, if you treasure the relationship with your children and you don't want to see that being destroyed, if you treasure the relationship you may have with your sister or with your brother or with your cousin or with your uncle, you need to apply these three advices to your life. Advice number one is avoid competition, a, a, a spirit of competition. Advice number two, you need to avoid deceitfulness. And advice number three, you need to avoid holding grudges against them. I tell you that as you look at the life of Christ and as you apply these advices to your life, as they deal, particularly as we're concentrating on family, you will see the relationships within your family. You will see the relationships with your marriage, with your kids. You will see them grow. You will see them strengthen. You will maintain them and sustain them for a long, long time. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. It's easy to be thankful when times are good. Next week, Robert Quintana shares why it's so important to be thankful even in the tough times. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.